In a world where so much is disposable and not built to last, we speak to an entrepreneur who has built a successful business building cabinetry made to stand the test of time while limiting its environmental footprint. And don't let the Vermont-centric name fool you. This really is a New Hampshire company. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, apropos of our our guest today, um, I'm curious if you work with your hands at all. You know, if you are, are, whether it's wood or crafting or, you know. I'm not a handy guy. I wish I were. And and, and this is my biggest regret in life. My grandfather was a woodworker. He had a whole shop set up in his basement. Sometimes I think just to escape my grandmother. Uh Um, Uh But um, (laughs) but, um, one of the coolest things he did is that he built something special for everyone in the family. So I have a chest that he made me um i'll have wood dovetailed so oh. i mean there's no you know the only hinges are on the lift top of the of the trunk wow um and uh something he made me when i was a teenager and i have till this day and you know he's he's since passed and you know so it's this legacy he left me and you know being a little snot-nosed teenager at the time i had no no desire to be down in the dusty basement, you know, playing with wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm like, Oh my God, I lost such an opportunity. Uh, so uh, now I know you, oh, don't you I even. mean, the, just the, talking about all the, the work you've been doing at the house. Uh, uh, tell me about God. your, oh, your ability God. to build. So let me go back a couple we won't spend too long on this. Cause our listeners maybe have heard a little bit of it, but when I was a kid, I didn't watch cartoons. I watched this old house. And I got much inspiration and, and a few skills from that too, right? No, you laugh, but it's true. I was like, oh, I love this show. And I would, I would watch like seasons and seasons and seasons of it. I just love it. I love like, I, I never went into that trade obviously, but I think I just, you know, I, I guess I should have. Um, when I was 13, my dad bought me a drill press and I had a little like workshop going on down in the basement. I didn't make a lot of stuff, but I sure knew how to like operate a drill press and like, you know, had a workbench and he bought me a router one year, you know, and I'm like, you got these actual are the- skills. Oh yeah. These are like the best tools. So of course, yes. Um, I did some work on the house recently. Um, it was supposed to be a small, quick project where I was going to replace some is. railings and some decking and it ended up me being like rebuilding the entire thing. Um, which like almost two months later is now done. Uh huh. <laughs> The, the most the most famous last words for any homeowner is, well, this is a weekend project. Yeah, right. Like eight weekends. Sure. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So I guess long story to say that um, I have some ability and uh, thank God for YouTube these days if I have certain questions and thank God for my foundation in this old house, you know, come on. All so, those years ago, who knew? But I tell you one thing, I don't make cabinets like these guys do, <laughs> the, our guest today and his team. So let's roll right into that. Our guest this week is Todd Walker, CEO of Vermont Cabinetry, based in North Walpole, New Hampshire. The company's been designing and building fine cabinetry and millwork since 1982. Manufacturing is done in New Hampshire using environmentally sustainable practices. Todd himself has business management degrees from Plymouth State University and Franklin Pierce. Todd 
welcome, first of all. Um, we're going to address the elephant in the room right away. Um, is the name of this New Hampshire-based company is Vermont Cabinetry. And we love Vermont, right? So we'll be nice. But I imagine that means there's some history and some backstory to the company. So maybe let's start by sharing a little bit of that history of Vermont Cabinetry and, and uh, where it came from and where it is today. Sure, sure thing. Thanks for having me yeah, today. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, and pleasure to be here. Um, the, the history is it was a, a originally a Vermont company, Vermont Custom Cabinetry, which, as you said, was formed in 1982. Mm. Um, always resided in Vermont. Um, we're the third owner of the business at, th- at this point, and uh, the previous owner was ready to retire in 2018, so uh, we acquired the company near the end of 2018 and um, early in 2019 moved it into our manufacturing building which were already existed in, in North Walpole, right across the river from Westminster, Vermont, which is where they were located at the time. So let's talk about that. We part of it. So before acquiring (laughs) this, you have, and still have this other business. What was that? And how did you end up connecting with Vermont Camtree and why was that fit for you? Yeah. JH Dunning Corporation, um, Dunning Displays is a company that's been in business, uh, since 1906. Um, in its wow. current building since 1941 in North Walpole. Nice. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of uh, wood manufacturing history, a lot of uh, the equipment and knowledge and people there um, doing that for, for many years, a lot of talent. And uh, it just made sense for us to expand. We acquired the building. We were renting the building. We acquired the building in uh, 2017. Great. So we were able to renovate um, some space and uh, – Wanted to fill that up with uh, just more, um, more uh, opportunity, oppor- opportunity, <laughs> synergy. I guess yeah. with the business that we already had, I right guess on. is probably the word I was looking for. Is it just it was it just made good sense um, to keep those folks local employed in the area cool. um, and uh, move them on over. Cool. So, and you um, you spilled to us before the mics were on that you're not a, a craftsman per se. You're a business guy and, you know, and have a sales background. So tell us about correct, that. Correct. Correct. Um, I, I do love uh, wood products. Always, always have and cool. have an affinity for doing some home <laughs> projects like yourself. But um, this is the cabinetry is definitely a, a little bit different level, even yeah. than, than the displays. The displays are, are real nice and we do a lot of real cool stuff with that but uh this is uh real fine fine finish fine craftsmanship mm-hmm. high-end work um as you say built to last it's it's all uh high-end materials um high-end uh, poly finish on everything and oh. uh it's um, it. like lo- you say I'm like it's, it's so excited by just hearing built about to it. laugh and, <laughs> yeah. at last and different levels too that we we build and operate mm-hmm. on too i mean we do have some value engineered kitchens that are um a little more budget friendly for uh-huh. folks. Um, and then for the higher end homes that we do oftentimes build for, we do have, have full uh, framed and framed inset, beaded inset uh, cabinetry that we can do as well, which is very, very high end stuff. Nice. Now, before you own Dunning and, and then therefore Vermont Cabinetry, um, what has your career path been that led up to that? <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a story here. Well, maybe. I started I, I started in technology working. Oh, right on. Um, for PC Connection was my first job out of college. Oh, mine and, too. And it wasn't <laughs> it was. so many people. I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> um, great time, great, yeah. great opportunity, great, great company. Um, and then I went on to work in the natural food industry for a number of years nice. for United Natural Foods, which mm-hmm. is a big company in the area too, su- supplying Whole Foods and a lot of the mom and pop stores as well too. Cool. So 
a lot of sales and marketing experience in those jobs nice. and management experience too, obviously. And then this opportunity came along where the reti- uh, the, uh, the owner of Dunning was retiring mm. at the time in 2005 and uh, stepped in there and took over the business and uh, eventually uh, acquired ev- everything with that business and then the yeah. building shortly few years thereafter. So cool. So, and, and so what's the growth or the change in that company been like since you, uh, you took over? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot, uh, needless to say, it's a, um, a lot of technology we brought in, um, a lot of new equipment over the years so that right. we, um, just to be able to produce larger products, um, faster, quicker, um, you know, more, uh, Quality colors. Uh, we've got a flatbed digital printer on the display side Ooh. now, which is uh, prints direct to wood. And I always say maybe we'll, at some point we'll do some print print on cabinet doors or something for folks. You know, we can print yeah. college logos and all that good, cool stuff. You know, nice. maybe someday. Who knows? But um, anyway, that's uh, a lot of the change has really been um, technology and uh, bringing younger people into the mix too. Right you know, we, we, we've had a little bit of an aging workforce over mm-hmm. the years. People have been with us for 40, 35, 40, 45 years. So, wow. which is great. A lot of talent, a lot of knowledge there, but, um, you know, we, we struggled with this, the same things everybody else has with trying to yeah. get some younger folks in there. And so those younger folks that are, that are there now, um, what's their, and what's their background? Are they coming out of technical schools, out of, out of colleges? Are you teaching them on the job? What's that kind of environment? Look a little like bit of those? both, not so much colleges, but there's a tech center in Springfield, Vermont, that, okay. um, really close by that we've been able to get a couple of folks from. And one of my, my key, uh, general manager employee now, um, in the operation came from that program and, nice. um, he's been instrumental in a lot of the technology that we've brought on and instituted does a great job with that. So, and we've got some younger folks right out of the uh, high school trade schools in the, in the local area too that have done really awesome. well for us. So that's great. That's we great. have been able to hit on a few, that's for sure. But it's it's a challenge, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, as you look to the future of the company, and you know, not as many kids are going into the crafts industries or the um, the trades. Um, so how do you plan for that? How do you recruit? How do you prepare for maybe having to bring in an unskilled workforce and make them skilled? What does that look like for you as you move forward? How are you planning for that? Well, we, we do a, a lot of promotion right now, um, Instagram, Facebook, you know, the social media sites where we, and we do advertise some online for, for positions when they're open. Um, and that's, that's been pretty successful for us. We do get hits there quite often um and trying to um constantly implementing a training program and a path for folks too when we identify that we've got a good one you know or good two you know we, we try to make a path and uh, encourage them to to learn more and do on the job training and we have actually done some college uh course uh reimbursement for folks at keen state too nice. in their uh technology program if they've expressed an interest and seem to have an affinity into operating a CNC machine or mm-hmm. programming or doing drawings in CAD, that type of thing. Cool. We try to help them further that along, build on yeah, that too. Well, so. and so your, your workforce, obviously you've got the guys that are, are say, we'll call it on the floor that are, you know, building, cutting and, and piecing together and all that, but you must have designers as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so tell us a little bit more about you know, kind of the workforce. How many employees, first of all? We for, have uh, 30, 30 employees right nice. now. 
Nice. And um, so sales and then design and, and all that too? Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that, that includes everybody. So we have two uh, cabinet sales designers that actually go in the field. They'll measure. They, they do site visits, site work. Um, and then we have two design engineers in-house too that do the drawings. And basically we've got you know systems where you draw and it goes from the drawing to, to the uh, CAD CAM software and right so to the machine. Cool. So there's really no at-the-machine programming anymore like there was. 15 years ago, when I first acquired the business, everything uh-huh. was done at the machine. Now it's done in the office, sent to the machinery, and spits out what you need right there. Bam. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, in a, in a couple of days' time, I always tell people, I mean, we could design a kitchen, we could run it, um, and start its process in two to three days now. You can run the boxes for the kitchens, you know, overnight, pretty much, if you need to. The boxes being, like, the actual cabinet piece versus the front? Correct. Yeah. The, yeah lack of a better term, carcass of the kitchen. Kitchen carcass. It's I all like about it. the, you know, it's all about the face, right? It right, goes right. on everything. So, but um, you can't have a face without a box. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but we, we stand out a little bit in that we, we definitely use um, solid wood materials mm-hmm. for our boxes um, all the time. Um, we don't use particle board, flake board, things like you might find in some of the big box stores that yeah. are more economical, but mm-hmm. it's just not going to last the way all, all of our boxes are three quarter inch construction. Um, and it's all solid maple or oh. whatever other species that you, um, you desire, you know, on the face and the frames and cool. Uh, so it's, it's good stuff. Nice. What, um, what are some of the, the projects that stand out for you? Maybe the most intricate or most interesting projects. And, you know, you say kitchens, bathrooms, is there, are there really unique kind of custom projects that you've done as well? There sure are. We've got a few actually going right now. Um, we've got a couple, uh, we've got one in Woodstock, Vermont, um, that's a brand new, very, very large house. We're building cabinetry and millwork for the whole house. So it's wow. living room, all the baths, the kitchen, pantry. Um, they've got a spa area in the in the building as well that we're building cabinetry for. So mudroom, you name it. I mean, if it's if it's anything that's, you know, got some custom boxes, shelves, yeah. drawers, anything like that to it throughout the house, we we definitely can can build that. Um there's a couple of real nice projects on Newfound Lake that we're doing right oh, now nice. um, that are very intricate and same situation where it's cabinetry for the for the whole home mm. um, using some high-end walnut and cherry and um, maple for all those jobs too. So Boy. it's pretty cool. Now, I mean, we've all been undergoing a lot of renovations in our home in the last couple of years because that's where we Now's were. Now's the time to do that. <laughs> that's yeah, right. been the time to do that. So can you talk a bit about... How have trends changed? What what do people want in their kitchens now? What's trending? Um, and what are some of the kind of maybe up and coming features that um, mm-hmm. people be interested in? Well, it, for the longest time, there was a lot of uh, natural wood in, in cabinets, um, natural cherry, natural walnut, um, Not maybe not even so much walnut, but cherry, maple, clear. Um, now it's gone more to paint, um, paint colors and, and oh. uh some some real nice, I think, real nice vivid blues and, and darker grays. Um, even some uh, green and off green colors now are, are sort of coming back in the in the paint. And and white's still a very traditional, very popular color too for kitchen. Mm-hmm. But a lot of folks are dividing it up. So you may have the the base cabinets be a dark blue and the uppers be a a, a nice white. Um, that seems to be a big trend. Folks are trending away from the framed and framed beaded inset. Um, kitchens and and more towards frameless too a lot now which is it's a 
it's a cleaner look, I think, in in some instances. Um, and uh, that seems to be a trend that people, and it's a little more economical to purchase those too. And um, just easy to maintain cabinets too. So um, cool. It's a clean and look. The inside of cabinets have changed. No longer is it just, you know, yeah. he, here's a single shelf and you stack <laughs> on top of one and the other and you lose track of things that are in the back. What are some of the different offerings or options that people have that are on the rise and becoming more popular? Yeah, well, our cabinets are built with uh, a maple uh, UV coat uh, material, typically, uh, on the insides. But you can also get a painted, you can do a painted interior. Always painted interiors if you have glass doors. But Mm, you can also have open cabinets that could have, you could have walnut-lined cabinets or cherry-lined cabinets uh, inside, Mm -hmm. too, if you wanted to expose those adjustable shelves and and uh, not necessarily have them closed in with doors and and certainly certainly the amount of shelves now they're always adjustable in any cabinet pretty much that right. we build so you can adjust you know you can change the, the number of shelves you have and also the gear that goes in these cabinets now yeah. you have pullouts for almost any appliance you mm-hmm. can imagine and uh lighting inside cabinets is a big thing lighting under cabinets mm. um big thing so um, depending on what you're trying to display or see or um, reach in the back of big, <laughs> long, deep cabinets, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways to improve on that now. Cool. I think my favorite feature in a kitchen that I've seen so far is that that sort of thing. You put your, say, your KitchenAid mixer on that you can just sort of mm. pull out of the, it's like hydraulic. You put it, pull it out of the cabinet and all of a sudden, and it's plugged, like it's plugged in and you pull it up and all of a sudden it's at, at like counter level. And then when you're done, you push it back in. It's, yep. it's almost like magic. Yep. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's just really cool. It's pretty so. popular. You, you, you do lose the whole cabinet. Of course. You know, for usability <laughs> with that. And that's the one, the one small drawback with that. But um, if you don't want to have the KitchenAid, a lot of people like to display their KitchenAid on the do. counter yeah. if they have the space yeah. for it. But if you want to hide it away, those, those hideaways work really well for that. Love that Pretty excellent. So what was the pandemic like for you? Because I mean, while some businesses saw a lot of challenges during it, others accelerated business. We obviously, as we were all stuck at home, people were doing more home projects. Mm-hmm. How did that work out for your business? And then, um, and then how's the supply chain issue going now? <laughs> well, the supply chain is still pretty interesting. It, it's, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't, really improved a heck of a lot. Um, and certainly the, the cost of things are still right up there, of course. But, um, you know, the, the, during the pandemic, it was, uh, like you say, people were spending time in their kitchen and realizing yeah. that maybe it wasn't the greatest setup and they wanted to do something <laughs> different and they had the time and, and in a lot of cases the money to do that. Um, difficulty was trying to do site visits during that. I was going to ask you, because you have to go um, into people's homes. You have homes. to go into people's homes. And, you know, we we offered to do that. We did that, you know, masking and, and all that stuff that was going on. But uh, still a lot of people kind of shied away from that. So we were trying to, we did stuff remotely where you could supply us a drawing and some photographs. And, you know, if the homeowner could, you know, really drill down and, and get pretty detailed on on what they were drawing up, we could we could price and, and do an initial design at least for people and, and get them squared away budgetary wise, what they were mm. looking to do. Um, and then, and then we'd schedule the later time site visits and, and try to work, work through that. And there was a six month period where that was kind of tight and kind of tough. And then it, it lessened a little bit over, over time and people were more, more open to us coming out and doing a, doing a visit and getting yeah. the details. So it, it, 
it was interesting, but you know, <laughs> we, we, we were busy through that whole time too. So good. it was good. Good. And as demand continued, do you see there mm. being a bubble that you're preparing for, um, with, with home renovation? Yeah. Demand is still there for, um, for the higher end homes and projects. I, that really hasn't waned. I think where we're seeing it wane is sort sort of the, the jobs that maybe a second home or, you know, not as a bigger priority for the folks to, to tackle, they might be sort of holding off mm. maybe postponing things a little bit just to see where things settle down. But, you know, if you've got a new construction or, you know, a renovation that's been underway for a year or two now, I mean, that stuff's obviously still carrying forward. And, and there is still, um, this, we're still quoting a lot of jobs. So there is definitely still some interest in green cabinetry. Nice. We'll be right back. Sky Terra is one of the nation's top 50 Microsoft cloud solutions provider, and we're proud to be headquartered right here in New Hampshire. Please visit us at www.skyterratech.com to see how we help companies with their IT needs so they can concentrate on their business. All right, we are back with Todd Walker, CEO of Vermont Cabinetry. So we've talked a lot about the business itself and, and where things are at now. I want to go back a little bit, though. Um, you have obviously had two successful acquisitions of legacy businesses. But as we know, acquisitions are not always easy. Were there any challenges you experienced and, and how did you overcome that um, with these acquisitions? The challenge was bringing the a business from across the river moving into our building um, mm-hmm. and every all the logistics that went along with that, yeah. timing of moving equipment, people, um, things like that. And then just uh, the culture of the two businesses being uh, a little bit different at the time and then and trying to integrate people that didn't really know each other and work with each other oh, previously interesting. Uh, yeah. into the same building. And, huh. and we do share some equipment and we share some staff from time to time and, and, and did that really right from the right from the jump and and that's gotten a lot better over the last uh, year and a half or two years now it's it's very uh very smooth right now well i mean of- just thinking about that in the sense that you know you, you, from day 1 you move those comp- those businesses together and then from day 1 there's there's you're you're working you're you're producing you got to be going and all of a sudden like you said people that didn't know each other so gosh that's tough you know just the dynamic or getting to know John and getting to know Bill or Susie and and building a rapport while working not like you didn't have any time you're just kind of running i guess very difficult it was wow. very difficult so and- how did you help people manage that change because change even good is hard mm-hmm. um and so you know you have employees that that you're bringing in, they're working together, maybe in different ways than they're used to. They're in a different location. How did you manage that change and make sure that this was going to be a successful transition for, for all? Yeah. Um, basically a lot of staff meetings initially, uh, spending a lot of time <laughs> in, in small spaces with each other yep, and, and yep. basically just trying to um, involve them as much as possible in what was going on and what needed to, to happen and sort of timelining things for folks and, um, really getting good with the production schedules and, and melding that. And, and also just Zach and, and myself, uh, my general manager and myself, just spending a lot of time on the floor at the, during that period of time, just talking with folks and mm-hmm. just 
really visually visualizing what was going on yeah. uh, type thing. So well, just being there. Yeah. That's just, yeah. that does a lot and says a lot for the people that and are As a small you. company, we right. can pull that off a lot mm-hmm. easier than, than probably larger companies can, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was just time, you know, time and space for folks and just, you know, working through things uh, verbally as much as possible and being responsive. And they did a great job. Actually, I, everybody's done a fantastic job over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic and everything else that's, <laughs> gone on with it you know yeah, it's, it's not just, been easy. there was a lot of stuff thrown in uh during that period of time for them right. so right um so i want to i want to jump back and and um, dig into something a little bit we talked uh, you mentioned earlier about supply chain and of, of obviously the price of price of wood and and lumber and all that um but in terms of that supply chain and what we talked about in your intro um you know sourcing sustainable product um what does that look like for you i know i you know if if folks look at your website right they'll see all of these uh kind of symbols and insignias mentioning that you use sustainable products you source sustainably which is amazing which is awesome um but how do you how do you ensure that the product that you're getting i mean going through this supply chain how do you ensure that and is it because you're working with particular suppliers or, you know, I'm just, I am completely clueless on that. And so it's like, I know that somewhere there are beautiful walnut trees and some, and, and, and are they the right trees to cut down? Are they grown sustainably? Is like, are they doing those operations correctly? So let us in on this like sort of sustainable wood product side of, of things of the business. Sure. Um, the, the, the hardwoods, uh, side of it is, is a little more difficult to, to, to track it, mm. you know, as, as you say, it's, the forests are large and wide and they cover a lot of space. So yeah. we, we source from the Appalachian hardwoods um, forest council. Basically most of, uh, most of our suppliers are FSC and Appalachian hardwood certified. So, um, and what's the, FSC? Um, forest uh, sustainability council, I believe, but I mean, mm. don't, uh, don't, but, it's, me a, on that. It's, it's, a, but it's, it's an organization. It's, it's a basically sustainability stamp on, okay. uh, on the materials that it's been sourced properly with, mm-hmm. you know, proper, uh, reforestation and, and all that. Right. In, because in you so, as sort of the end user, the manufacturer can't really spend your day, you know, trying to track exactly where it came from and how it was produced no, and all of that. So no. that organization sort of is the is the one that's making sure of that right and it's it's really more towards the um the sheet goods that we buy mm-hmm. a, a lot of it is is that it's formaldehyde free it's um again sourced it doesn't have ingredients that are uh, not california or mass compliant mm-hmm. so you know they're they're basically cleaner and, and greener than the alternative that mm-hmm. you you could get in say home depot or you know other places yeah. type stuff so um, but again, you, you know, mileage can vary kind of on that stuff too, depending on time and, you know, who you get it from at the time. And, and we, and it does vary because with the supply chain stuff now, we do have to go to different suppliers when, when we need, we need materials. So, but it's, it's, it's pretty easy to track and they do, they do stamp and, and label the materials that we get appropriately. And they'll also provide us with, um, their certifications nice. for those materials. So nice. So how do you compete as a smaller manufacturer in a big box world? You know, where so yeah. many people may, their, their first thought is, I'm going to be doing my kitchen, I head over to my local Home Depot or, you know, Lowe's. Um, how do you, as a custom cabinetry business, compete with that? Hmm. Well, um, this, the, the easy short answer is we don't. 
You don't compete <laughs> with them. Um, because if that's what you're driving your purchase by is the cost only and the price, then we're not going to compete with Home Depot or mm. the other box stores mm-hmm. because it's a totally different product, quite frankly. It's a very different, other than it looks like a cabinet, behaves like a cabinet, but it's built totally differently than mm-hmm. the way our cabinetry is built. And it's um, it's a different uh, weight. It's a different material. It's a different uh, construction and, and, and different assembly and installation, really, than what you're going to get um, at a Home Depot. So our, our target customer and, and, and our the customers that are going to come to Vermont Cabinetry are probably not a Home Depot-leaning mm-hmm. customer in all likelihood, um, just because they understand that it's completely custom it's uh, a different a different uh, animal sort of altogether than what you're going to get in those box stores. I'm not not trying to be a cabinet snob here, but it's just no. It's, you, I think you have the right to be a cabinet it, snob. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a very different product, and yeah, we've had a couple customers that have come to our facility in our showroom and and said, you know, I was just at Home Depot, and I, you know, uh. and then you know, a few minutes looking and talking with us, and and they quickly understand and completely get it you know that it's not the same it's not the same product and it's not going to be in the same budgetary lane yeah. that they were in <laughs> not even in the big box store no. um i i usually we're like 30 percent um more than yeah. what you're going to get mm-hmm. in a home depot but right but what you get it's going to last yeah. it's going to the, the the beauty of it and the strength of it and the, and the lasting um value that you're going to get in your home by having it is i tell people it's going to be well worth that well because yeah You've got the Vermont cabinetry stamp on the drawers and, you know, and it's just built totally, totally different. So nice. it's, nice. it's an investment and it's a value for your home. Well, and I was going to say, and I think we were talking about this again before the mics went on, but in terms of, um, say kitchen renovation, right? It actually adds value to the home. Absolutely so there's does. an ROI there if you're going to sell your home or whatnot. Um, and it's funny cause you'll see, I, you know, I don't know if you, how often you look at real estate ads, things like that, but you see these houses that they're in okay shape. And then all of a sudden they have a picture of the kitchen and it's like, Oh, they redid the kitchen. Cause they know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there is, you're right. It's an investment. And there's you know? typically one very important person in that family that <laughs> is very happy with seeing that kitchen. So, and that, and that means a lot, you know, I yeah. mean, it just, it, it means a lot. And, you know, I always say to people, when you have somebody over to your house, where do you, where do you often hang out? Right. You know, whether it's noon or in the evening, a lot of times the group's hanging out around the island in the, in the kitchen. So yeah, in the kitchen, that's your focal point of your house. You know, yeah. that's what you want to show off everything about it and everything in it. And, um, it's just, it just makes good sense really. If you can, if you can afford to do it and swing it, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a, a good investment and a way to go without Love a doubt. It. I want to hop over to the display side Ooh. of the, of the business. And can you talk about who are the primary customers? Are these permanent fixed displays in stores? Are these uh, displays for expos? What what are we talking? They're in-store displays, um, mm-hmm. and they're semi-permanent displays. They're not fixed um, in, in, in that they're not part of like a, a gondola or mm-hmm. a shelving system. They're, they're usually uh, aisle blockers, I like to call them. They're, they're usually <laughs> the ones you run into you with your shopping cart when you're in the store. Um, and they could be anything from uh, bread, snacks, cookies, um, uh, wine, beer. Mm-hmm. We do a, we do a lot of work for the liquor, beer, and wine industries. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of our larger customer sets for sure. And has there been Im- impact or changes on business as 
um, consumers' shopping habits change and more consumers during the pandemic went online and stayed there. Um, and people are still just starting to get back out into mm-hmm. um, the brick and mortar world. What kind of effect did that have, if at any at all? It has it has had an effect on the display side for sure. Um, that side is has been down for a couple of years. Um, we've had uh, a number of customers uh, that have scaled back or even closed. You know, marketing agencies that we were doing business with that were huh. fixated on display stuff have kind of gone away because of the changing patterns in shoppers and shopping, and and uh, the brands just aren't investing in that kind of marketing because it's a marketing tool. It basically takes your product off the shelf, off the sea of products that are on the gondolas mm. and puts it in the middle of the aisle. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to see it, you know, you have to see the product, you have to see the price and um, you know, it sort of glorifies the brand and it's all about the, the branding and the colors and all that good stuff too, to, to wow them. So that stuff is changed a little bit for, for most large, large and mid-sized companies. As far as the marketing goes, they're not really pitching into that. So the growth side of our business is definitely the cabinet mm. cabinet side, and it has been for the last couple of years. And I think that that will continue to be the the growth side. So, what is your plan moving forward, and where is. do you Thank see you. your growth opportunities, <laughs> and where do you hope to take these businesses? Well, um, probably doing more uh, programs like this to hey, try to get there our you go. out there because the, <laughs> the previous owner um, did a good job with the business, but they they didn't really invest anything in uh, public relations or marketing, mm-hmm. or, you know, p- you know, pitching the business at all throughout so the now my my whole focus is advertising and getting the word out there who we are what we do that we're here um and uh and that's having it's been having a positive effect we've been advertising in some of the the big home trade journals throughout new hampshire new england and um and also doing a lot of stuff on uh social media too so um We'll continue to do that. And that's that's my focus and my plan is to just make sure the brand gets out there because we're not just any cabinet, you know. I, th- yeah. I think we're a very well-made cabinet that most anyone in New England should be happy to, proud to own. And I just want to make sure everybody's aware that we're there and what we can do. Right. Sure. Well, you're very humble about the about the product. I would say that, uh, you know, from looking at everything you gave us and then your website and just hearing about it, that is really superior and really amazing. So thank you. Um, Todd Walker is CEO of Vermont Cabinetry. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Real All pleasure. Right. Appreciate it's been it. Fun. Yeah, real fun. Thank you. And now the buzz. In the October issue of Business New Hampshire Magazine, we have our Small Business Finance Guide, and this year it features a story on bootstrapping. So, uh, I love talking about shoes. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Nathan, you want to help define bootstrapping and what we're talking about here? Uh, yeah. So basically bootstrapping is businesses that uh, that got going without the use of commercial loans or lending, right? They use some of their own money or wherever that comes from, um, but they didn't use a commercial source that they then have to say pay back, for example. They didn't seek investors. So it's like, I'm starting a business. I'm going to put my money in to build the business. That's basically where we are. However. <laughs> and, and the story features a couple of businesses that did bootstrapping. And, and have done very well. Didn't have any regrets about it. And they say, you know, it, we controlled our destiny. Yeah. We weren't having to worry about, are we going to be able to pay back the bank this month? Right. It was, you know, we, we, we have more control of ourselves. And mm-hmm. one of them pointed out, 
he felt he was more careful with how he was spending his money than yeah. he might have been spending someone else's. It's true. It's true. So making more judicious decisions. Yeah. But there yeah. can be some downsides to that. You want to talk about some of the challenges? Well, yeah. I mean, so think about this. I mean, in terms of, you know, building a business or you, you have a business plan um, and all plans need to morph and change. Um, but if you have this plan and something goes awry or it doesn't work out or you didn't hit the market at the right time and you've got a loan, well, you best have the revenue to pay the loan, right? That's how it's all based. And again, if you're bootstrapping, you don't have a loan, you know that this is capital that you've put in, but on the other side of it, maybe you need that capital. There right. are flexible terms. There are a number of organizations you can work with as the article goes into. So Rita Toth from the Small Business Development Center um, contributed to this, as well as James Key Wallace from the New Hampshire Business Finance Authority. Um, both uh, have a lot, a tremendous amount of, of, of knowledge and advice around that. And of course, uh, tools or links to tools for lending. Um, and right. there's just situations in which it's good to have or it's the right decision to have some additional capital by way You've of a loan. Got to look at your growth, your business strategy, where the market is and um you know sometimes your own revenue generation isn't going to get your business quite where it needs to be. And so, you know, their advice is you need to really take a close look at whether or not bootstrapping is going to work with you or if your business is going to need that influx of cash to help it make it to the next level. Right. I'm going to give you a perfect example of bootstrapping. Cardinal Consulting, ah. a little business that you know was bootstrapped, right? And we could do that because we are a service-based business. So um, we didn't have a ton of inventory. We didn't have to, you know, invest in an office space or a, a warehouse, right? Um, you all know about my, my basement office. Um, so I got what I got, but was able to put in some, some capital to, to get it up, to uh, put systems in place, to do a little bit of, you know, marketing and, marketing and advertising, get things that we need and build a client base. And so that's a perfect example. So there's also, again, as we alluded to those examples where it may not be the right thing to do, or you may do it, you know, for the, to get it up and running, but very, very soon after you're going to have to start to have that commercial lender relationship, um, which is very, very important. Um, what folks need to really watch out for. Um, and they, again, mention this in this article, which is great is the sort of predatory online lenders. Um, you look at something like now, and we all use it and we appreciate their service and all that, but QuickBooks, QuickBooks will lend you money, uh, obviously based on some metrics, but their interest rates are through the roof, right? And if you go to your local lender, chances are you can get probably a similar amount of capital for a lot less in terms of the interest rates. So you're going to pay a lot less in the end for borrowing that money. So it just pays, be careful. Pays do your research and shop around yeah, and, and see have what local your relationships. Are. Yep, and, uh, and all those options. So to find out about that and other financing issues for your small business, you can turn to the October issue of Business New Hampshire magazine. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. Check out the Cardinal blog and learn about our services at cardinalconsultingnh.com. We're on social at cardinalconsultingnh. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business New Hampshire Magazine and Cardinal Consulting.